Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Sonny Yusuf. He's waving and muted. Hello. <laughs> there we go. I'm Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And this week, we're talking to uh, Pato Patricio Vargas. Hey, how are you guys? Doing good? Doing all right. You want to introduce yourself? Let us know who you are and why everybody likes you. I don't know if everybody likes me, but <laughs> thanks, to, <laughs> thanks for the intro. I'm Patricio Vargas. That's my full name. I go by Pato. It actually means duck. I've been called Pato since I was a little kid. If I hear Patricio, I'm probably in trouble or you don't like me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Charles, I haven't heard nobody call me Patricio, so I guess everybody likes me so far. I'm a senior developer advocate at OneSignal. OneSignal is a, is a uh, push notification provider mm. and we write a lot of open source. We have NPM packages for like essentially like everything, React, Vue, Angular, and, and so on. I'm also a Google developer expert on Angular and web technologies. Author Zero Ambassador, Google Woman Tech Maker, Twitter Champion, uh, Postman Supernova, and a lot of other things that I don't even remember anymore. Actually, Sunny was the one who interviewed me for the GDE program. So that's how oh, I nice. actually met him. So that was pretty cool. And yeah, so that's me. Awesome. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Yeah, I'm just a podcast dude. You guys are geniuses. <laughs> Let's dive in and talk about PWAs. I know that that's the topic. We've, we've covered PWAs in different ways on the show, but everybody kind of has a different take on it. And what's funny is, is we were talking about PWAs a bit yesterday, but it was more in line with Jamstack. So it was like, uh, hey, you know, you can pile all this stuff on a Jamstack and make it work. But uh, did you make a podcast for that as well? Yeah, it'll it'll come out in like three or four weeks. Cool. So anyway, but yeah, let's let's start with the basics. And let's, I'm curious what your take is. What what are PWAs and why do they matter? In my personal opinion, I think PWAs are regular applications with superpowers. That's what I like to tell people. You know, they mm -hmm. have the the ability to do more things than just a regular app, right? You have the ability to be if you create a, a web application, if you make it a PWA, they have the ability to be installed on your phone, like a native application. So that's the most basic thing that a PWA can do. And a PWA for everyone that is listening to the show, PWA stands for Progressive Web Application. Right. What I like about PWAs is what I was telling you that they have like superpowers from a personal point of view is besides that you can install them, they're actually like very SEO friendly. Right. So if you compare a PWA uh, with a native application, a native application doesn't really have that SEO friendliness. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So yep. I mean, let's let's pretend that you have a e-commerce website. 
So you're going to be able to find all, all those articles and products that you're selling online using SEO in Google and things like that. But if you have an, a store using a native application, you don't have that ability to do that. So, so I think that's something that is super cool. They're push notification friendly, meaning that they can receive push notifications. They're very, very performant. I think that's a, the core thing about uh, P2As, right? They're going to make your website extremely fast. They provide a great user experience because you're going to have that native mobile looking and feel. You can use them offline, which I think is like one of my favorite things. I've been using the offline capability for a long time and help customers with that. And they're multi-platform, right? And you can use them in different devices. Doesn't matter the kind, as long as they can use the web, you can make them a P2A and use them in different devices. Very cool. So what are some of the superpowers? <laughs> so the, uh, those are the ones that I was mentioning. For example, the offline experience from my, in my personal point of view is super useful. And I'm going to tell you a story about the offline okay. uh, capability. A long time ago, um, I was working for a company. It's a train company, actually. And obviously, for obvious reason, I cannot say the name, but um, they have train tracks all over the, the East Coast, right? And a lot of their engineers work in the field. Meaning they have to go fix the train in the middle of nowhere. They have to go fix the tracks in the middle of nowhere. A lot of these places do not have great internet connection, but, right. but they need to use the application, right? So first of all, the first thing that we did was convert their Angular application into a PWA, right? Because sometimes they did actually have um, internet connection, but if you make your application a PWA, it's more performant and it fits more performant and it loads faster than... You don't have to worry about the internet connection that much at that point. But then we combine an API that is called the Background Sync API. Have you heard of it, Charles? No, actually. The Background Sync API essentially gives you the ability to use your application offline, like if you were online. And this is what I mean. If you only have a PWA, you can use it offline. Everything is going to load. But if you try to make a request to the server, I mean, nothing's going to happen because you're offline. The right. background thing API, essentially what, I do, what it does is, let's pretend that you have a, a database, right? And you're a, a professor, Charles, at a university, and you want to modify the records of your students, but you're offline, right? So right. if you're offline, you're not going to be able to do so. With the background sync API, right? You're going to make the... Oh, I the, have dug into this, yeah. You know, you know where I'm going now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, essentially, you're going to be able to modify the records, right? And you don't have to worry if you're offline or, or, or online. If you're offline, what's going to happen is you're going to modify the records, right? Like if you were online, and then one day or at one point or later in the day, you're going to reach connectivity. Maybe you go to, to you, maybe you go back to your house and that's where you have internet connection. Mm -hmm. And the background sync API is going to detect the connectivity and it's going to send a request to the server that way you you get your records updated. So I think that's very cool. So that's what we use with this company, right? We use the background sync API and we converted the PWA, I'm sorry, the Angular apps into PWAs to make it more performant and accessible offline. So I think that was like super, super cool. Right. It is super cool. It's very cool. And I, I love just the fact that, hey, I can go do my thing out wherever I'm at. And then well, what's funny is, is, you know, I, I live in a suburban area and when my plan would run out of data, it was oh, basically no. like being off, offline, right? And so I'm sitting here imagining, well, at first my brain went to, where would I ever use this? And I was like, oh, everywhere before I upgraded my plan. 
<laughs> but it's interesting because it's not just, oh, well, here or there, you know, or in third world countries or whatever. I mean, you, you get out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I've experienced that here. I live in Utah and like driving down to my in-laws house, you actually wind up driving down the interstate a ways and then you basically get off and go up a canyon. And there are spots in there where there is no connectivity, right? It's like, well, I'm listening to whatever's on my phone or whatever the radio will pick up, right, in my car. And so it's the it's the same kind of thing because, and, and you're really not that far from the city, right, from, from a city. But anyway, you know, I'll be at a smaller city, but a, a city where you could legitimately get coverage on your phone. So, yeah, I think this is often overlooked as something that may not even be needed. But yeah, you don't have to go very far. I mean, you go up into the mountains anywhere around here, and a lot of times you lose connectivity. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, and, and that's something that you're 100% right. I mean, people think that people struggle with internet connection in third world countries or, or developing countries, right? I mean, that happened here mm -hmm. in the US. Like I was telling you, um, my client is here in the US, right? Also, you have to think about that. Your web application should be loading within like three, three seconds, right? Mm -hmm. A few years ago, actually several year, years ago, Google made some research, and I don't exactly remember the percent, but if I'm not mistaken, if your website doesn't load within three seconds, I think you'll lose like 50% of the users. So if yep. you think about it that way, and this is another example that, that I can talk about, imagine that, that you have an online store and you're, risking, and you're losing 50% of your customers just because you don't have a performant application. And that happened to another of our clients back in the day. So... They, they were trying to branch out, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously to branch out, you need money. And for them to, to branch out, they needed the money and they needed to make more sales. So that's when we came in and we helped them out to convert their application into a PWA, which their application is actually like an e-commerce website, right? And anyways, by, by us converting their application into a PWA and using the background sync API and caching strategies using service workers, Right, we were able to reduce the number of server calls by three to percent by using caching strategies, right? And right. that saved them money because they were making the calls um, to AWS. And everyone knows that AWS is not cheap, right? So we save the money that way, right? So you can. So that's something that people need to understand. You're not only saving money in the app side; you're saving money on their server side as well, which I think is, is very cool. Mm -hmm. By converting their application into a PWA. They we increase the the number by by millions of users. Why? Because more people had access to this application, right? We increase the user experience. The their products were able to be found on the web using SEO, which I thought that was very cool as well. And by 2019, the company was already making 8.8 .8 billion dollars in sales. Oh, nice! And yeah, it was crazy, and that was do by the PWAs, like PWAs helped a lot. And there's a lot of companies that use PWAs. Like I hate when people say, oh, who uses PWAs? I'm like more people than you think, <laughs> yep. right? Like for example, Tinder, uh, the dating app, they have a PWA. So, I mean, you can be matching and swiping right through a PWA and you don't even know about. Microsoft, Samsung and Google, they invest millions of dollars a year making PWAs better. Mm -hmm. Starbucks, yeah. They have a PWA as well. Like Starbucks, up to this day, they make almost the same amount of uh, sales on a PWA like they do on their native application. 
Instagram oh, has really? a PWA as well. Like I use Instagram on my computer as a PWA. Twitter has a PWA. Like a lot of people, more more people than you think. <laughs> well, it's definitely a, a good way to go, and you get all kinds of great capabilities out of it. There's an interesting thing that I wanted to say. I remember, I believe the Tinder situation. Tinder was one of the first people, and at the time, I actually had a girlfriend at the time, and and it was an interesting conversation saying, "I'm gonna go download this dating app." just to see how well they built a progressive web application. <laughs> so it was very interesting at the time, but, but she knows what I do. She knows my work. Uh, but but it's a, it was a very good, it was one of the very first commercial PWAs. Very, very well built. There's a it's website. all for research, my dear. All of it. <laughs> There's a website called uh, PWA Stats. Have you heard of it, Charles or Sunny? Uh-uh. It's very yeah, cool. Yeah. So, so if you go to that website, uh, pwastats.com, it tells you about success cases from big companies that have been using PWAs. For example, Lyft, the, the driving application, Uber, uh-huh. uh, Pinterest, and all those people have been sharing their success in this website. So it's very interesting. And I think this is another way for people, for people to see that they are not alone in, uh, in this adventure of making p- progressive web applications. So what kind of stats are on it? I need to go check this out. Yeah. For example, let's see. Let's look at the one from Lyft, right? So it says, users on older devices take 11% more rides in Lyft PWAs than native users. That's so crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, they're making more money out of their PWA just by 11%. And they click install PWA 40% more often than downloading an app. So more people use a PWA for Lyft uh, than they use their native application. That's actually like insane. I think that's super cool. That is cool. Interesting. You mentioned there are some of these I've never heard of before, like Thomas Kent or Butcher of Blues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the website looks really nice. It's like, yeah. what is what is Kabuta? I never heard of Kabuta. <laughs> yeah, but it is interesting, right? Because I mean, ultimately, and I'm playing this game, you know, with e-commerce and putting together online courses and conferences and stuff like that. I mean, if I can keep people on the app, if I can get their attention one way or another, if I can make it easier for them to do what I want them to do. I mean, that that's, to me, the real power on PWAs, right? Is it gives me those options. It's not this, oh, well, I'm just going to do it because it's cool tech. It's legitimately because it helps my marketing effort. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's why I want it, right? It helps my user experience. And that's why I want it. Not oh, well, Google says I should do it. So of course I'm going to do it. No, that's not why I'm doing it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, definitely, definitely helps. I mean, the only problem that I see with with PWAs is, well, of course, I mean, PWAs are making better. Like I was telling you, like some people are investing a lot of time and money to make them better. But the problem Mm -hmm. that I have right now is that they don't have as many system features than a native application, right? There's a lot of things that you still cannot access with a PWA from the system. And there's a website for that as well. If I'm not mistaken, the name of the website is what can my PWA do or something like that. What? Yeah, I think that's what it is. What can a PWA do dot today? So you can see everything that the PWA can do up today. So I I think that's really cool. Another problem that we have with PWAs is they don't have a review standard, right? So the same way that you can publish Charles and Sunny, a, a regular website, 
write a regular web application is the same way that you're going to be publishing a PWA. So there's nobody reviewing and checking if it follows the best practices or if not, or if it's not malicious or something like that, like they do with native applications in the Google Play Store and Apple Store. So I think that's a disadvantage. And the other disadvantage that I think we have with PWAs is that Apple needs to catch up with tech. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah, I mean, Apple seems to me that they keep blocking these kind of things. And I mean, it's insane because I mean, the web is, I don't want to say the web is the future because the web is, uh, the future is now, right? And I mean, it's crazy for me that if you, for example, if you try to send a push notification to an iPhone device, you're not going to get it if, right. if through a website. Of course, if it's a native application, you're going to get it. But through a web app, you're not going to get it, which is insane. The crazy thing to me is that if you have a Mac, you mm-hmm. do get the push notification. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, why are you limiting your own users uh, from receiving push notifications on a Mac, but not on their iPhone? Well, and the thing that I don't think people always understand about this being so insidious on Apple is that I could see somebody saying, well, why don't you just go get a different browser? They have Chrome and Firefox and Brave. But what what those all are is is you're putting lipstick on Safari, right? It looks like Safari. (laughs) It might. I mean, I use Brave on my phone and I think it has more privacy features. I'm not even sure about that, to be honest, because I don't know how far they can push it with the Safari engine. Yeah, uh, because uh, they're, they're all limited in the same way as far as any of that goes. And that's a very good thing that you just brought up because one day someone literally said, well, I'm just going to get Chrome. I said, but that's fast. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, like like you said, like literally Chrome and, and Firefox and any other browser on your iPhone, they're actually like wrappers. They're the lipstick of, of Safari just to make it pretty. But at the end of the day, they're still working with Safari in the background, which is insane yeah. to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you you work for a company that does the push notifications. Right. And honestly, I, I need to have a look at that because that's something that I'd like to add to top end devs, right? Because, yeah, if you're sitting at your computer and we release something new, free or paid, right? I'd like to be able to let you know, right? Have it pop up and, oh, yeah, I wanted to listen to that episode of Adventures in Angular. So that's another feature that we often see people associate with PWAs. But like you said, there's no real standard, right? And so... It seems like the common things that people really push are the the local storage where you need it and like mm-hmm. service workers or web workers. Yeah, the caching um, strategies, yeah, for yeah. sure with service workers. I think those are like the main things about P2Lace and like service workers are like so powerful. There's so many things that you can do with them uh, related with their caching strategies. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, the service workers are what helps you to receive the push notifications. Right. So for everyone listening listening to the podcast, a service worker is essentially a um, a script file that lives on your browser. It doesn't live on your web application. It lives like in the background. And then, for example, when you receive a a, a push notification, right? They they get a signal. They wake up and mm-hmm. they. They trigger the the push notification API, and then the notification gets displayed on your device, right? And right. that's that's why they're like extremely powerful because you can do so many things with it. The main reason why people use service workers is to intercept server calls because P, uh, PWAs, whenever you have the service worker, it kind of lives between the web, the server, and in the middle is the service worker. So it's intercepting your network request, and you can use them to do the caching and all that. Super fun. Yeah. And, but if I don't know if you have experiences, but setting up a service worker is actually pretty painful. <laughs> it can it's, be. It's a, 
yeah, you know, it can be it, it can be very painful because it's a lot of things that you have to do by hand, right? Mm-hmm. That is the reason why Angular. Well, not that is not really the reason, but I mean, one of the reasons why Angular decided, you know, to come up with just one command that you enter in your CLI, and then you have a, a PWA, and they handle all the service worker and all the setup for you, which I think right. is super cool. That you you don't really have to grab all that setup. Um, if you're not using Angular, you can use Workbox, and Workbox simplifies the setup of service workers and the caching strategies and all that. Which I think is like super fun. Yeah. So how do you start putting this together in Angular, right? How do you start pulling in some of these features like the, the local storage and... So the, know, the first thing like that you that. have to do is just run the command that I was telling you. You do it by typing um, on your terminal ng at angular slash pwa and then um, space the name of your project, right? And that command is going to add a few things into your project. It's going to add the Angular Service Worker package, right? It's going to make some updates in your index.html file. It's going to link the manifest.webmanifest, right? Which is a new file that is going to be added to to your uh, Angular application. And the manifest file is a file that tells the browser how is your progressive web app going to look like whenever you install it on the phone. For example, you can uh, determine what is going to be the theme color, what is going to be the color of the splash screen, how is the icon going to look like, all that kind of things, right? You also install some icons by default on your Angular application. And the most important thing that it does, besides, of course, converting uh, your application into a PWA, it, it adds the service worker configuration. But this file is a little bit different, well, actually very different than a regular service worker because a service worker is actually a JavaScript file, right? Mm-hmm. The service worker configuration in a Angular application is actually a JSON file, right? And this file, it's called the ngsw. SW stands for service worker dash config.json. That is the name of the file. And that file specifies the caching behaviors and other settings of your service worker that is going to be used in your progressive web application. Very cool. Time is of the essence when identifying and resolving issues in your software. And our friends at Raygun are here to help. Their brand new alerting feature is now available for crash reporting and real user monitoring to make sure you're quickly notified of the errors, crashes, and front-end performance issues that matter most to you and your business. Set thresholds for your alert based on an increase in error count, a spike in load time, or new issues introduced in the latest deployment along with custom filters that give you even greater control. Assign multiple users to ensure the right team members are notified with alerts linked directly to the issue in Raygun, taking you to the root cause faster. Never miss another mission-critical issue in your software again. Try Raygun alerting today and create a world-class issue resolution workflow that gives you and your customer peace of mind. Visit raygun.com to learn more. Their simple usage plans start from as little as $4 per month, with unlimited apps and users. That's raygun.com to start your free 14-day trial. Yeah, interesting. I've got a question. The reason is, you know, I've been a big fan of PWAs from the beginning, but um, obviously there's a lot of limitations at the time, specifically Safari. But now, for the most part, apart from the ability to like, you know, hey, do you want to install this app? I think Safari pretty much has caught up in terms of support. Correct me if I'm wrong. I actually have a product I'm launching now, and I'm really considering going the PWA route as the predominant, uh, what's it called? Would you think that's a good guess for people that want to go the PWA route? You know, because if you look at other companies, 
Starbucks can afford to do that. You know, whatever mistakes they can make, they can turn overnight and have a, a team of amazing ninja developers to, to fix it. But, you know, a small, uh, a small startup cannot. What, what would be your advice for that? So your question is if they should make a PWA or not? Yes. Do you think uh, today for a startup, somebody just like me, you, and a regular person using a PWA as a distribution channel, primary distribution channel, do you think that's a smart move? Oh, that's a very good question. That's a very good question. Yes, I think. I mean, based on the data that I have seen um, from the PWAstats.com, I mean, you're going to be able to reach more users, right? I mean, we have seen it mm -hmm. with, with other companies who they only create first an iPhone um, application and then the Android. What, what was the name of that? of that application that literally was alive for like two months and then just died. We, it was the, it's similar to Twitter space. Um, oh, Clubhouse. Clubhouse. I mean, hey, I, I still use Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, nothing wrong with, with the application, but like a lot of people got very upset that they tried to segment users and say, okay, we're just gonna give this application to the cool kids who have an iPhone. And then what happened to the rest of the world? You know, like the majority of the people actually have an Android worldwide. So, you know, that's why someone on Twitter decided to come up with this feature and they added it. And then more people use Twitter spaces than Clubhouse now. This is like very interesting. So I think by going a PWA route is smart. So by you saying like, putting it in different channels is because you guys were all also considering into making native applications or what, Sunny? Well, distributed via the app store, right? Obviously, if you're making a mobile specific application, you all, users always ask, can I can I save this app? Like, right, this app is actually live right now. And obviously, we just distributed via our mobile web app, you know, which is probably fine because, but it's like, users are still asking that question. Can I, you know, save the app? Obviously, PWA is the route we want to go because they're not really doing much there. It's just like, they're just seeing a bunch of classes. But, you know, I always ask the question is like, it's almost like, well, one thing, one of the problems I have is, for Android, you don't really have a lot of problems that like you can just do the experience to, to, to synonymize your PWA with a native app experience is very easy because you can do like, hey, install this app. But with iOS, you have to give a set of specific set of instructions, which is, hey, uh, go to options, you know, save this as bookmark and all of that. And then the, an iPhone person might feel like, uh, what am I actually doing here? You know, when users start asking too many questions, it's normally not a good idea. I mean, I agree with you. I think that's a disadvantage for sure. But something that also people need to be aware of is when you install a native application, it's going to take a lot of space on your device, right? And I say a lot because PWS are actually very light, right? So that's something that you, you can even like make users aware of. Hey, this is application super light, you know, uh, follow these instructions. There's an, and there's a package. I hundred percent forgot the name, but it gives you the ability to have a, a like a pop-up, right? Uh, whenever you click install the PWA, it gives you that look and feel of instructions and description of the, of the application. Like if you were installing a native application from the, from the app store, mm -hmm. I forgot the name. I'll get back to you on that, but um, it's very interesting because you literally click on install and you have like slideshow with um, screenshots of how your application is going to look like. And you can have a, a very cute um, description and instructions on how to install it. So it's very useful and that makes the user experience better for installing the application in your device. Right. All right, cool. That's, that's, thank you for that insight.
So one other thing that I'm curious about is, you know, to get some of these other magic or superpowers, magic features, whatever, you know, because we're talking about like local storage and service workers and setting up the manifest. And that's kind of the, the main stuff. But then there are all kinds of other stuff that PWAs do. I mean, it seems like a lot of times people loop in like connecting to hardware or push notifications or stuff like that. So geolocation, I don't know, all kinds of stuff. So when you start getting into that kind of thing, do you just install different other Angular plugins for those features, or do they all kind of come with that same install package that you're in? They, so a lot of these things are native to the browser, right? Mm-hmm. For example, the notification is not Angular specific or React specific, right? Specific to the browser. Uh, so you have yeah, but to Angular's going to manage that somehow. You know, getting information from another service or a backend somewhere. Yeah. Later. Correct. So, a, you know, yeah. So how do I, how do I make that play nice with Angular? Or is that completely not a, even like, I don't, I don't have to interface it with Angular. It just No, yeah. You, you can just access it through like a regular um, okay. application. Yes. Yeah. Same way. And I um, am very interested that you say that because I have seen people who are so used to the, I don't want to say the old way, but the regular way of making progressive web applications that they have made their Angular progressive web app without using the CLI command. They do it from scratch because they think they have more power or more control towards it. I think it's the same from a personal point of view. But um, but yeah, at the end of the day, like like you were saying, you have access to these features on the web the same way on Angular than a regular web app. Right. So I would just install whatever library allows the system to connect to the push notifications Correct. And I wouldn't have to install that with the Angular CLI or anything else. I just run it the same way for all of these, and it would just work independent of my Angular app. Correct. And then I'm assuming that any push notifications that I wind up triggering through my own use of this of my own app would then effectively have to get looped back to that service or back end somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, for example, uh, I'm I'm just going to talk about like, the 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 push notification side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so at one signal, we have a, an NPM package to do the push notifications. And you might be thinking, well, do I need the NPM package to display the push notifications? No. That NPM package is to use the, to do the configuration of your push notification. Right. Right. So at the end of the day, that NPM package is using the native API for notifications in the background. Right. And then you, we just use the NPM package for one signal to do the configuration. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be the configuration that is being sent to the server. And then people get the notification, display certain ways with certain images or, or whatever. Right. Cool. So a lot of the rest of this is just going to be managed independent of Angular. I'm wondering exactly. also about like, like, can you do like fingerprint authentication? I've seen that with like different devices that work on websites and stuff like that. It, it You know, when you pull that in again, is that a third party service or is that something that Angular would do for you? That, that's native to the browser. Okay. In my personal experience, I haven't used that API, but I know there's there's such a thing, right? It's called the Web Authentication API. Yeah. Um, I haven't used it, but I'm, I'm actually very curious to use it now. I have used the WebShare API, and you just use it um, like Angular allows you to handle it itself. There's a very new API. Do you know um, Wazam? He works for Microsoft, mm-hmm. I tell you. He built a... Angular application uh, using the NFC API. Have you used it before? 
No, I haven't. So Wasim built a application using Angular, right? And the NFC API. The NFC API is an API that allows that allows you to work with with NFC tags, right? Mm-hmm. The near field communication um, yeah. thing. And it's super cool. So definitely check it out. And I mean you can you can access to it to this API just using Angular the regular way. It's super fun. Definitely check it out. Wasim created a GitHub project around that. And I replicated the project and it's very, very cool. I think it's my favorite API now, the, right. the web NFC. Check it out. Yeah, honestly, I wish more places that use uh, QR codes used NFC because it's way easier for me to wave my phone over something than it is for me to take, you know, point the camera at it and hope it gets it. Charles, oh my God, you literally like said the thing that I've been thinking for so many for so many months now, you know, with this whole COVID situation, you go to a restaurant, and just every restaurant now has a QR code. And how many times, Charles, has it happened to you that your phone, just for whatever reason, doesn't pick up the QR code? Yeah, I mean that has happened to me multiple times, right? And sometimes it's not my phone; it's just the QR is already like mm-hmm. you know, it's had a few too many drinks or... spilled on it. Yeah, exactly. And the other day, I was like, oh my god, people should be using the NFC NFC tags and all you have to do is just stop on it, you know? Yeah. But going but back to your quit, I'm sorry. The, the flip side of that is that all I have to do is print it off and put packing tape over it and it'll stand up until I have to print it again. Yeah, it's, it's NFC, cheaper. you actually have to get hardware. So yeah, it is cheaper. Yes. And it's actually, actually the uh, NFC tax are not expensive, but it's, I mean, definitely way more expensive than just printing them, right? Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I agree. But yeah, I mean, going back to, to the conversation, you can access these APIs the angular way no problem uh, you don't have to worry about that and there's a lot of um apis i haven't used that are related and compatible with uh with with pwas for example there's one for ar and vr i haven't used that one so yeah it's super interesting very cool so i'm a little curious like is there a way that you've implemented this on any of your applications or implemented what pwas for the Angular apps, the, the main way I did it was just running the the command that we were talking about, the mm-hmm. ng at Angular PWA, right? And the main things that I've been touching is the ng sw config file, which is a configuration file for the service worker. Okay. You have to be aware of that whenever you, you run the command for installing the PWA, you get the configuration already done for you. There's a, there's, there's a default configuration. So it's not that you're just going to get an empty file. No, you have a, a file that already has some configuration. And one of those configurations is caching your assets, right? Right. So it's very, very cool because if you don't have a, a configuration file and you want to set up a PWA from, from scratch using Angular, right, um, you're going to have to specify what kind of files you want to cache manually. And this can take time, right? Mm-hmm. And so Angular does that for you. It caches your your assets, which is very cool. There's there's different properties inside of this file, right? For example, there's a property called install mode, and you give it a value of lazy by default. And the lazy mm-hmm. value does not cache um, any resources upfront. Instead, the Angular service worker only caches resources for which it receives requests. So so you know you you can you can change you can change that value right um you can make it to cache uh things up front or lazy which means cache them up to request so essentially what right. it does is gonna bring the value which in this case is the file for example the asset and then once it brings it from the server 
is going to cache it. The next time you use it, it's going to be cached and it's not going to be calling the server. So that is done by default. Now, uh, and that is done under a property of that file called assets group, right? It mm -hmm. does the, the, it handles the caching instead of this uh, property called assets group. There's another one that it doesn't come with that file that you actually have to do it manually. You have to, to give the instructions and it's the data groups. The data groups is basically the instructions of the service worker telling, telling the service worker, hey, I want you to cache the server call, right? And I want you to have to have this in, in the cache for, I don't know, one day, one week. Mm -hmm. um, and it has a property called max age, which that's, that's what it does. You specify how long you want these things cached. And you can specify the size as well, the, the number of records you, that you want to cache. So just to give you an example, you can have a, an API that, that brings all your students, right? And obviously, mm -hmm. like, for example, if you, if, you, if you are a professor, once again, Charles, you don't want to be pulling the data from, uh, from the server to look at your students all the time. Most likely, right. your students are going to be the same ones throughout the year or throughout the semester, unless one of them decides to drop out because your class, Charles, is very, very hard, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you can catch that. And that's going to help you to save resources and make your application more performant because instead of you having to wait for this data to come back from the server, it's going to be there automatically pretty much. Right. Yeah. My question was, I mean, what kinds of PWAs have you built? That's, that's uh, what so, I'm curious to know. So on the two main, I have built like multiple PWAs, but the main two PWAs that I have built using Angular is the, the one that I was telling you about of the e-commerce site, right? And that helped the revenue of the company reach the mm -hmm. billions in 2019 and the one for the train company on the east side um, of the US. Those are the two really, really big projects that I worked on PWAs. Cool. The other ones are like, Way smaller, but uh, at the enterprise level, like really big for big corporations, those just those two. Very cool. What are you working on now? Anything interesting there? Right now, related with P2As, I'm not really touching P2As that much. I'm mainly writing open source and creating content and teaching people about uh, the one signal products. That's mainly what I've been working for, work, working on. But yeah, cool. But I love P2As. I, I'm a huge fan. I love them. Yeah. They're really cool. Have cool. you built anything big with PWAs? Not really. I've kind of sprinkled stuff in. For the most part, I'm really, I've really been focused on backend stuff, not front end stuff. And okay. a lot of the PWA stuff kind of aims at the front end. That said, I'm really, I'm really interested in putting something together for top end devs because I love people to be able to just, yeah, use a PWA. I do intend to put together native, well, or React native, native, or you know, something like that, but native apps and see what the capabilities are there because yeah they take up more space on your machine or on your phone and they there are some other reasons why you may want to go with a pwa but for me it allows me to provide i guess a more curated experience and and stuff like that the flip side of it is though and it allows me to send push notifications to iphones mm -hmm. which you can't do with pwa the other end of that though is that i really do want a lot of the pwa features in because I think a lot of people, when they focus on PWAs, they focus on mobile and they're thinking, oh, well, you know, on the mobile phone, blah, blah, this, that, and the other. But realistically, I mean, I wanted to be able to do push notifications on the desktop machines. I want to be able to provide them with certain other features. If, if it, you know, I don't know that I necessarily want to turn on geocat tracking itself, but I could see something like 
hey, if you're at a conference, click here, right? And then it can verify that you're at least in the same town as the conference, right? And then it can tell you, hey, our booth's over here or something like that, right? And so I, I can see a lot of these other features being used in ways that allow me to connect with more people, which is what I really want, is to connect with more people. We were talking before the show about um, how my mission is to help people become the top 5% of developers out there. And, you know, I can't do that unless I'm talking to people. And so oh, I agree with you. That, yeah. that's the deal, right? Is, is it's like, okay, you know, how do I open the gates to as many people as possible by getting them to show up and letting me help them, right? So awesome. I can see a lot of these features playing in that way. You just mentioned the, the geolocation and it just reminded me to an app that I was working on uh, for a previous company that I was work for, working for. And the app is essentially a Tinder for conferences. It's essentially, mm-hmm. it, it allows you to, to network like with, with people inside of the same conference, uh-huh. right? So, you know, I mean, it happens sometimes that, um, and I have seen it, you know, we, we go to conferences all the time and... Sometimes people are just shy and they don't feel comfortable approaching someone just like that. And this application can give them the opportunity to, you know, have a small interaction over the phone and then finally end up like meeting. And, and it's not like a dating app inside of the conference. It's just a network app. Right. That's what it is. And we use the geolocation and, and that application is a P2A as well. I don't know if we if we ever launched because that application was being developed right before COVID. Right. And then COVID hit, and then you know all the conferences were online. But um, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta ask my my previous coworkers if we eventually made it. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And I mentioned to you before the call. You know, we're doing that in a Slack channel, a water cooler Slack channel, where people can go and they can say, "I want to connect with somebody," and it'll help line them up. I may have to tweak it a little bit to kind of say, "I want to meet an Angular developer or a Ruby developer or whatever," so that people are connecting with people who have the, they have something in common with. We'll figure that out. But ultimately, I think it'd be really fascinating to yeah, have something like that at a conference where it's, I don't know who I'm going to sit with at this conference. And so I'd like to meet somebody and we can just chat while we eat, right? Which is one of the best parts of conferences anyway. Like I'll go find a full table that has one chair open. And yeah, half the time, one half of the table knows each other. The other half of the table knows each other. And I just start asking questions and seeing where people are at. And so, yeah, that sounds awesome. Anyway, yeah. Well, before we wrap up, why don't you tell people where to find you? Like, where do you publish to? Where do you, where are you on Twitter? Uh, or I'm or whatever? very active on Twitter. I guess we, like with the majority of other mm-hmm. people who like to do podcasts, you can find me at Vef Pato, V as in Diego, E as in Ernest, V as in Victor, P as in Patrick uh, or Potato, A as in Apple, T as in Thomas, O as in Oscar. Vef Pato. You can find me there. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Just don't do it via DM if it's related with, with a tech question. The reason is because, let's say, Charles, if you ask me a question and, and I answer, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that other people can see the question, right? And also, I might be wrong and someone can be like, hey, Pato, this is not correct. So if you do it in public, everyone learns. Right. Makes sense. Hey folks, it's Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to jump on real quick and let you know that I am putting together a podcasting course. I get asked all the time. I've been coaching people for the last six months. How do you start a podcast? How do you put it together? What do I need in order to get it going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I've put together the curriculum. 
And I did it through coaching a whole bunch of people. And now I want to share it with you. You can go check out the course. It's actually going to be a masterclass. It's going to be a four-week masterclass where I actually walk you through the entire process of launching a terrific-sounding podcast and putting together content that people want to listen to. And you can find it at podcastbootcamp.io. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do picks. Now, if you haven't listened to this show before, picks is effectively where we jump in and we just talk about stuff we like. Now, Sonny had to jump off for a meeting, so I'm going to go first. Otherwise, I would have made him go first because I mean that way. So I usually pick a board game as part of my picks. And so let's see, which one do I want to pick this time? I played one with my friends the other day. It was a lot of fun. It's called Family Business. It's not a board game. It's a card game. But board game, card game, you know, it's getting together with people you like and doing something fun. So the way that it works is you have seven mobsters in your mob family. And, you know, everybody else has the same. And then you play cards, and so you can play a card to put a contract out on somebody else's mobster. And when you do that, they wind up on the what's called the hit list. I mean, the game's really simple. So once you have six mobsters in the hit list, you start a mob war, and the first mobster in the hit list dies or gets discarded. There are cards that let you bring them back. There are cards that let you pull people out of the hit list or swap people in the hit list. There are cards that let you stop a contract. There are cards that automatically start a mob war. And so those are kind of the mechanics that you're dealing with. But it is a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting when somebody gets down to about two or three mobsters and everybody just gangs up on them to put the rest of their people on the hit list and start a war. But it's a ton of fun. So I'm going to pick that. Another pick that I have, and I'm just going to throw some of these out. These are tools that I'm using lately. So I've been reaching out to people about sponsoring the podcasts. And this is something that I hadn't done for a while. Uh, There are reasons. Not a lot of them are good reasons. Some of them are. But when I reach out to people, uh, usually I know what company they work for because I'm I'm going, hey, you work for this company. I think your product, you know, is something that developers would use. So it could be something like an email service, but it may also be like a tool or, you know, whatever. And then I I look up their marketing person on LinkedIn. And then the tool that I use is Hunter.io. And Hunter.io will actually, if you know the domain and you know the person's name, it'll usually be able to give you their business email. And that is really awesome. And then on top of that, I've been using Loom, loom loom.com, which is free. And you can record videos and share the videos. And so what I wind up doing is I wind up recording a video on Loom and then I, I send them the video. So I don't actually write out a long form email. I actually send them a video that says, hey, it's good to meet you. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what, you know, here's how I think I can help you. And anyway, people really like them. So um, that's awesome. So yeah, so those are kind of picks that I have here. And it's funny because like I sent some out last night and Loom will tell me who's watched it. So I know three of the people that I sent videos out to last night watched the videos. So anyway, it's awesome. So I'm going to I'm going to pick Loom. As far as anything else goes, I am also using Community, community community.com. And that is a text message that you can send to me. And I will respond. The phone number doesn't take phone calls and does not have a voicemail. But it allows me to reach out to you. If if you text in, I can text back. If you're in the U.S., the phone number is 801-877-3287. And uh, yeah, if you send me a text, I'll text you back. And yeah, I'd love to get to know more people and, you know, figure out where folks are at. So go ahead and jump in there. And then if you go to topendevs.com, you can sign up for free. And that will get you into the Slack server. And I think I'm going to be putting some content up 
for the free level, just kind of walk people through those five things that I everybody needs to do to become a top end dev. And then the rest of the content, so the weekly videos on Angular and stuff like that, those will all be paid. But at least you can get in and get started and start introducing yourself to other people. So anyway, those are all my picks. If you sign up for top end devs by December 31st, then you'll get a 50% discount. Otherwise, you'll be out of luck off to pay full price, which is $39. So that's all of my picks. Pato, do you have some picks for us? Yes. For board games, I love playing Risk. Um, Ooh, fun I'm one. obsessed. I'm sorry. Classic. Classic. Yeah, I love it. I'm obsessed with it to the point that it, when I was in college for my senior year project, I actually coded the the board game. No way. So, awesome. Yeah. It was a lot of dirty structures. Um, it was a little bit challenging, but it was so fun. I love that game. So that's definitely my my pick. And for for tooling, Postman Collections. I think Postman Collections are actually very cool. I've been using them in lately a, a lot. Um, it's very easy to, to write documentation for an API. And, you know, back in the days, the only way of using Postman was on the web. Then they switched to you having to download an app. Now they have Postman Collections where you have the same functionality of the native application on the browser, right? And But the cool thing about this is that you can make your collections public. Uh, your collections mm-hmm. of your API and, and the server calls. I think that's very cool. And, and you know, people can test the API from, from the Postman collection online without having to set up the, the, the server or anything like that. So definitely uh, check that out. I think it's really, really cool. Very cool. I'll have to check that out. Postman's pretty handy. So very cool. Well, if I already asked where people can find you online. So I guess we'll wrap up here. Thanks for coming, Pato. This was fun. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Till next time, folks. Max out. Take it easy. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.